Hey there, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum, and I will be your host as always. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to let you know of a few things of note. First, you may or may not be aware that I host another podcast called The Third Seat. The Third Seat is unrelated to the podcast you are listening to right now, but if you'd like to check it out, then I will put a link in the description of today's episode that you can use to listen to it. If you like this podcast, then I really think you will like The Third Seat as well, so I highly recommend you check it out. Next, I want to let you know of a few ways you can support the podcast. First, be sure to tell a friend if you enjoy the show. Word of mouth is not only a great way to help support the show, but it's also zero cost. Secondly, if you enjoyed today's episode, then be sure to leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Leaving a positive review is one of the best ways of not only supporting the show, but it also gives me direct feedback from you regarding how you feel about the show overall. I greatly appreciate if you decide to take the time to support the show in any of these ways. Finally, if you'd like to follow me or the show on social media, then feel free to check out the description of today's episode. Here you will find all affiliated and mentioned links, as well as how you can support the show online. As always, I want to thank you for tuning into and supporting the show. It really means a lot to me, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed making it for you. All right, everybody. Well, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum, and I will be your host today, as always. Uh, I'm excited to bring you this episode today. This episode, uh, it, I've been I've been requested to bring this episode to the public uh, by one specific individual. Uh, I'll I will leave uh, this individual nameless for right now, but they they know who they are. Uh, but this has been a, an episode that has been requested uh, personally to me for a while now, and I'm excited to officially bring it to you all. So yeah, my guest today is Tyler Forrest. He is uh, a the new uh, president at the University of Tennessee Wesleyan. Uh, but prior to that, he worked at my alma mater. I can I can now say that uh, my alma mater, the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Uh, and I am really excited to speak with him today. So, Tyler, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Daniel. I'm super excited to be here today. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, it is. It is great. So I, I know I, I just mentioned a little bit about what you're currently doing and and what you did before. But just for those that aren't aware of you and, and what you do and how you got to where you are today. Would you care to just share a little bit about yourself and, and what you do and, and how you got here, if you don't mind? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I started uh, in higher education administration in 2010, really out of um, not, not having a clear direction of what was next. Uh, as you'll recall, that was during the Great Recession and there were not many jobs out there and I had applied to approximately a hundred different places and I thought uh, I would never get a job honestly maybe one is never to come (laughs) Uh, but it it did I had uh, three offers out of those hundred Uh, one uh, was to work at UTC as a financial analyst and two others were in banking and banking just didn't feel right to me at the time Uh, so I ended up taking the UTC job I had worked there on campus for three years prior to that as a part-time employee in the auxiliary services department, reconciling ledgers. Uh, so I really did kind of start at the at the very basic financial level uh, when I started there, uh, you know, doing ledgers and counting cash. And after that, took the job as financial analyst, uh, ended up staying 12 wonderful years there at UTC until recently where I was able to 
I go from the analyst to the more of the budget side and work my way into running the budget operations, then into more of a financial and operational role as, as a deputy chief financial officer for several years there, and then as the chief business officer uh, for about a year and a half there before I took this job as uh, president of Tennessee Westland uh, here in my hometown of Athens. So it was uh, exciting. It's been an exciting run. Uh, I will tell you, I've had many twists and turns, none of which I really expected to take. I always yeah. thought I would be an attorney uh, initially. So needless to say, I've never sat in even a law class for the maybe, yeah. maybe a business law or something yeah. like that. Uh, so I've not gotten near that. And uh, I, that one time I thought I would be maybe a career state employee or go into serving in the legislative branch of some government or something like that. Well, that has never panned out. So here I am today. I'm excited to be where I am, but it is very interesting how you can take all these twists and turns, none of which you expect to, to you, you ever expected. Uh, so I've, I've kind of always been one as a real planner, but I've learned to just accept which direction God's kind of taking you in at the same time, because I certainly feel like he has had his hands in all of these moves. Yeah, no, I, I, I would, especially with that last part you just said, I am a, I, I wouldn't say I'm like a chronic planner or anything, but I definitely, like, I mean, like I said, we, I, we were talking about right before we started recording, I just got back from vacation and like, I, I don't have everything planned out to a T, but whenever there is a plan, I, I want it to go to that plan. You know, yes. uh, the, the analogy I always, I always give is like, if someone says, Hey, we're going to go get dinner tonight. And they say, okay, what's up? Like, I'm, I'm not a picky person when it comes to food, but if they say, Hey, we're going to go get tacos tonight. It's like, all right, I, in my mind, I'm ready for tacos. That's what we're getting. Yeah. That's what we're doing. And if an hour before rolls up and they say, Hey, we've had a change of plans. We're going to go get chicken instead. Well, you know, it's just like everything's been blown up. It's not that I dislike chicken. It's just like I was mentally prepared for tacos. Like that's what I wanted, you know. And so I, I know exactly what you mean. Like it, it's I I love the the uh, kind of the the, the kind of unique freedom that a plan gives you. As weird as that sounds, like having everything somewhat mapped out gives you a little bit of freedom and comfort. But I'm I'm right there with you in in that it's it's been a it's been a, a process for me to kind of become a little bit more, uh, you know, willing to just adapt to the moment, to the situation, you know, just being willing to go with uh, whatever happens and not being too rigid, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's 100% part of who, you know, my story and, and my life. And uh, I think it's a, probably definitely going to be an ongoing, you know, uh, process for me to continue adapting to that way of life and being able to kind of go with the flow a little bit more, if you want to say that, you know? Well, you, you have to at times, and you're a financial manager, <laughs> just like I have been uh, the majority of my career. And, you know, financial managers are planners, so mm -hmm. we, we fit the mold well. And I've told my teams for years, uh, whether it's in my current job or previous, that I needed a plan. Even just today, I told a group of three individuals I met with, I said, it would really help me if we had a plan around what you're telling me and don't give it to me in a 60 page document, give me a, a, a one page of bullet points that I can <laughs> I said, my financial manager mind thinks in bullet points. Yeah. 
So that, they got a good laugh out of that, as did I. But I, I know once I get that, I can digest it really good, and then we can make a plan from it. So yeah. right, wrong, or indifferent, planners w- will prevail, hopefully, in the end. Oh, yeah. No, I when it comes to a 60-page document or a, a one- to two-page bullet point, I'm, I'm right there with you, 100%. Right. Uh, you, it's, it's funny. You mentioned earlier, a business law class. One of, I, I also took, I, I guess it was a mandatory class for, for my major. And I also had to take a business law class and not that I, the class was fine. I did good in that class, but that was one of my least favorite classes simply because anything regarding learning about like the law, or if you want to become a lawyer, anything at all loosely related to that, it's just information on top of information on top of pages on top of pages of stuff you got to read and go through. And I remember when I first started taking that class, I was just like, Oh no, I don't want to, <laughs> I am just, I'm not here for this. I, I would, I, this is not what I want to do, but I'll, I'll do it if I have to. But I, it, that was, that was not what I was about. You know, it was, it was definitely going against the grain for me, I guess, if you want to put it that way, you know? Oh, it, it, absolutely. I, I'll tell you a, a really quick story. But when you said that about the 60 page document, again, it reminded me, you know, I told you I wanted to go to law school. I was really pretty convinced that what that's what I was doing until I was early in my junior year as an undergraduate student. I went to a meeting in Nashville. I had had the opportunity to serve as the student representative on the UT Board of Trustees for two years. And we had a meeting over there that was at a law firm there in Nashville, a very big, prominent law firm. It was on the conference conference room there. And I'd asked the receptionist, I said, "Uh, can you point me in the direction of the restroom? And she said, sure. She said, if you'll open this door and go down the long hallway, it'll be on your left. So I opened the door, went down. It was a really long hallway, went down the long hallway at this law office. And I was looking on both sides. And all I saw was attorney after attorney after attorney with piles of (laughs) paper on their desk. And I mean, literally piles. Some had mountains beside the wall and lining the wall. And that was really the moment that I said to myself, Tyler, maybe law is not for you. And so that was that was kind of that that one question of asking where the restroom is. Now, yeah. I'm 100 percent honest. When I <laughs> that, story. that was really kind of the defining moment. I walked out of there and I thought, I just don't know that I could do this. So, yeah. uh, again, interesting how those little things will change your life in a big way. Yeah, no, I, I had a somewhat similar experience. Not that I wanted to be a lawyer necessarily. But uh, when I first started at UTC, I got, and to this day, I don't know what compelled me to want to do this, but I was, I thought I wanted to try my hand at engineering and more specifically computer engineering, yeah. which from what I have gathered, engineering as a whole is not an easy field, but computer engineering is like the yeah. hardest of the hard one. Like if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, if you're, if you want to try to make it out with your sanity, then computer engineering is not the, not the route for you. But nevertheless, that's what I chose. And I, I learned really quickly in that, that it was like within two weeks of being there, I was like, this just is not sitting right with me. Like, this is not what I, I don't know what's going on. I don't fit in with my class. But like, it just wasn't for me. It, it was nothing against the people. It was just like this is it was like trying to fit a square peg in a, in a circular hole. It just was not going to fit. And there came a moment where I think it was around midterms and I I was having trouble with some concept and it was in like the basic like 
like level one class for engineering, like physics level one, like the most basic things. Like we're talking, you're learning about gravity. Like that's like the basics we're talking about here. And I remember it was like a week until midterms or something like that. And my professor said, Hey, we've got office hours coming up. If you want to come up, come in and ask any questions, you know, I'll be here from these hours and feel free to stop by. And I was like, all right, this is my chance. I can get some answers. I'll sit down with this guy, talk to him one-on-one and see if I can figure out, you know, figure some stuff out. And so I walked into his, into his office and we sat there for a minute and he's just got these, like every single book known to man about like energy or just physics in general, or every, every single kind of law of physics, like every book written on these things was in his office. So I was, I was a little intimidated and I walked in and again, I'm also a new freshman, so I've never done this before. And I sit down, I was like, Hey, Mr. So-and-so, I don't remember his name at this point. I was like, would you care to walk me through this problem on, on the homework here? And he sat there and he looked at it. He looked up at me and he was like, now you do know this is what we covered in the first week of class, right? And I said, <laughs> yes, sir. I, I'm aware of that. I just, I just, I'm not entirely confident in my ability to do this, but I just want to make sure that I'm understanding it correctly. And he said, okay, if this is what you need help with, then I'm, I'm happy to help. And I, I sat there and I told myself, I said, this is, I got to figure something else out. This is not working for me. Not for me. Yeah. And so I was like, my, I knew my mom was an accountant and I was like, I'll go, I'll give business a try for that. Let me just see what it seems very different and very far away from engineering. Uh, and, and on UTC's campus, it was physically far away too. So I was like, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. So it was a, it worked out for me in the end, but yeah, I had a, a similar experience like you did. Um, but I want to I want to talk here here in a little bit. I want to talk about a little bit about your experience at UTC and and how you're feeling now about your new uh, position at Tennessee Wesleyan. But before we get there, I have a question about a story that I've been told about you, and I want to see if it's true. And it, it's a good story, I promise. Um, but leading up to this, I was told that you, I think, at a relatively young age, I want to say maybe seventh or eighth grade. I, I've heard this story about you and some like elderly man that you became a friend, you, you befriended and apparently like inherited a house from him or something. And am I, is, is this correct of what I've been told or is this totally off, off the rails? No, no, that, that is correct. Okay. That's pretty correct. I, I was in the eighth grade Yes, and uh, my cousin, uh, Harry Byrne Jr., whose father had uh, cast the deciding vote for women's suffrage in 1920 um, had, well, I, let me back up just a little bit that that's who, that's who you're referring to. Yes. It um, was, was assigned a family history project at the Athens junior high school. And I reached out to him and I said, could you help me with this project? Mm-hmm. Very innocently, not, not much to it. And, mm-hmm. Uh, he called me back and we ended up uh, having a good relationship. I came to visit him. Uh, he helped me uh, with the project and we just stayed in, in close contact thereafter. And, and he was really uh, a terrific person, a great mentor for me. Another one of those unexpected things uh, that happened to you. And um, there, he unfortunately did pass away in 2016 and um, I was very surprised to learn that he had uh, passed a, a home that had been in our family since 1942 along to me, which ultimately is what got uh, Emily and I back to Athens when we moved here in 2017. Uh, that was kind of the 
the driver for that. We were super blessed for that to happen to us. And I've had people say to me, and I haven't kept it quiet because everybody knows it anyway. They'll yeah. say, you inherited a house. Yes, I, I did. You are absolutely yeah. correct. But it was also a house that really had not been upgraded in about seven years. <laughs> so you, you have to keep some context yeah. around that in that. Uh, so we did um, a pretty significant renovation uh, to, to the house. And it's, mm-hmm. we, we love it. Uh, it sits in a, a great neighborhood on a few acres of land right in, right in the city of Athens. And it's good to, for the kids to have a big yard to play in and all of that. So we've, we've definitely been blessed in that regard, no, no doubt about it. Uh, but I will say having a house that is now 80 years old this year is a lot of work. Uh, for everybody yeah so it's 80 it was the last house completed in athens prior to world war ii well well the war had already started but building materials had not totally dried up Mm -hmm. until this time but it it was uh it was completed at that time so it's it's a neat house a lot of history we really love living here but it is a labor of love at the same time there is always a project uh going on i have a project list on my phone (laughs) to check off and things that need to be done but the but thanks to uh cousin harry that was the reason that uh, we kind of uh, got one of the reasons we got back to athens that was definitely a driver behind it and it was a, a super generous thing of him to do he had actually inherited the house as well from his Mm -hmm. aunt uh, in 1968 so uh, there had been kind of a trend of that but i I candidly would have never ever expected that at the same time so uh, there's a lesson life has more twists and turns than i could keep up with at this point yeah well that's that's exactly what i was thinking when you said that because you know even even today i mean the things that we do today there's a there's a chance that it could have some impact way down the road that we're just simply not aware of. And I was told, you know, like that story, before, I, I think I was talking to my mom and I was like, hey, I'm going to be doing this interview with Tyler and so on. She was like, you need to ask him about this story. And I was like, OK, that sounds interesting. But, it, you know, uh, but on the surface, you know, you think about it whenever I mean, you were an eighth grader at the time and you were working on like a, a history project. There's no way you could have known that it would have led to what it led to. Uh, I mean, that many years in the future. Um, and I mean, like you said, I think that's a testament one, just how many twists and turns and how unexpected uh, life can be at times. Uh, but the, I guess the thing I want to ask you is, is so you, you said this, this house was 80 years old. And in my mind, when I'm thinking of, you know, obviously architecture and, and design in that realm, like it changes over time, you know, things coming in and out of style, you think of all the different, uh, you know, de- decorative styles that are used on in housing and architecture in, in the past. And, you know, there'll be some in the future. And what comes to my mind is like, and this is, this could be wrong, but like when I think of old houses, I think of like, you know, big red, like shaggy carpets <laughs> and like popcorn ceilings and like, yeah. you know, just like, like these just, weird curtains and stuff like is that what this was like or was it something a little was it something different because that's just the image i have in my head of this house you know (laughs) that's that's a good that's a good question uh that (laughs) that it did have some red carpet it wasn't (laughs) shag but it did have some red but but primarily the carpet in it was a 75 year old 100 percent wool grade carpet which 
interestingly enough, I've told this to many people, so I don't care to share it with you, mm-hmm. but when the, the contractor took it out here and took it to the McMinn County landfill, I guarantee you it'll never disintegrate. Yeah. Out there because <laughs> it, that it was the real deal in yeah. the car world. And uh, the house did still have 75 year old curtains hanging uh, that had been here uh, that, that were terrific curtains in the day and, and surprisingly still in great shape. Um, mm-hmm. They were just, I'm sure they were quite pricey when they were bought and just held on. But uh, it, it is kind of a timeless house. Um, it was the architect that designed it was Charles Barber out of Knoxville, who also uh, designed a number of buildings on the UT Knoxville campus. He was the uh, architect for a portion of the First Baptist Church in Athens. Mm-hmm. And also um, he designed at least two, if not three other houses in this neighborhood uh, mm-hmm. that we live in. So it, it definitely has a real timely or timeless, excuse me, design that uh, I think from aesthetically from the road has stood the test of time. But mm-hmm. you are correct. When you identified some things on the inside, <laughs> it uh, it has some unusual. The, the bathrooms were that lovely uh, pink tile. Oh, nice. Very common or a green tile. I yeah. Think one of the bathrooms. So uh, it, it was it was interesting. And I'll tell you something we didn't know about it. And the contractor quickly discovered when they went to tear out the kitchen uh, it every exterior wall is a hundred percent poured in place concrete. So, oh wow, um, that made some challenges on the renovation side as well. And I will tell you, it's really challenging if you go to hang a picture because mm-hmm. you got to have the right tools to do it because there is no getting into that wall. Well, it, it, we quickly discovered it, that. Yeah, it sounds like you might have a better a better chance like chiseling something into the wall than you would hanging a picture into it. That is quite possible. To- yeah, if you're if you're trying to drive a nail into it, I don't know what you would even do. You know, uh, you, you don't drive a nail. <laughs> I'll tell you that because it won't go anywhere. So, so what you're telling me is, if I were to walk into that house right now, what I would probably see on the walls is like I'm thinking like like cave paintings or like cave chiseled art. You know, of like little people like on the walls. That's probably what I would see. Uh, at one time, perhaps, but uh, we, we did get somebody in uh, to, to help us. Hang. My my dad is very good with the drill, so he yeah. came and helped us uh, with that. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, I, I wanted to hear the story about that because I knew a few details and I was like, that just I'm just intrigued by that. I want to I want to hear some more details of it. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm, I'm sure for one, it was definitely, you can definitely say it was a labor of love because you hear one thing, it's like, oh, he, he got this house. But yeah, it was, you know, 70, 80 years old. Um, there's going to be some renovations that have to be done to it. And, and I mean, any house, no matter what the age, there's going to be, you know, maintenance that has to be done to it, but especially one that's seven to eight decades old. I mean, that's that's going to require a good a, a good amount of, you know, uh, work to it. So that's, that's very interesting. Um, but yeah, that's... <laughs> Uh, I'm just I'm just thinking about the I'm just thinking about y'all sitting there like chiseling on the yeah. walls or something. There were some of those moments, no doubt. <laughs> yes. Um, so cool. So I, I want to ask you a little bit. So I recently I, I don't know when I can stop saying I recently graduated, but I feel like since I'm I'm within a year, I guess I could still technically Probably say that. Okay, right. Yeah, I think I can get away with it still. Uh, but I, I graduated from UTC back in in December of 2021. And I think I had first heard your name like right before I started at UTC 
And I, th- I think it may have been, who was it? I think it may have been Angie. She said something like, Hey, if, if you need somewhere to stay, just, just call up Tyler Forrest and he'll, you can crash at his house. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I don't know who he is, but I guess if I really need a couch to sleep on, I'll, I'll find him wherever he's at. Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, I kind of heard your name through the grapevine a few times here and there. Uh, but recently your name has popped up because of the new position that you've taken at Tennessee Wesleyan uh, back in both of our hometowns. Um, I, I guess I'm technically from Inglewood, but Inglewood, Athens, you know, it's the same thing at the end of the day. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. same thing. Um, and so I, I just want to talk to you a little bit just about how your feelings are on your time that you had at UTC, just some reflections that you have uh, during that time, and then what you're hoping the future looks like for you at Tennessee Wesley and what your current feelings are on the job and just how you're feeling about this new uh, chapter and, and transition in your life. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I, I will tell you, when I first came to UTC as an undergraduate student about 16 years ago, I really it, it didn't connect with it at all. I, I just I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. I had obviously grown up in a small town. It was a bigger city, albeit not Atlanta or anything like that. It was still much bigger than what I was used to. And I just couldn't get excited about it the whole first semester. So by the end of that first semester, I had to figure out a way to expedite my schedule and graduate in three years because I just wanted to get out of there so bad. And then I met a few people that said, oh, you should get involved in this or that. And so I thought, well, I'll give it a try. If I'm going to be stuck at this place I don't like for three years, I might as well get involved in something. So I did, and I got ended up getting involved in student government and several other things on campus, uh, which really got me connected to the university in a way that I would have never been able to connect with just sitting in the residence hall and going to class. Just I don't know why I'd always known a lot of people in school, all throughout school, had gone to school with so many of the same people from kindergarten on. So again, it was just such a different experience all around. Uh, so after I you know, got involved, I really ended up liking it. I'd already told you the story of, of how I got the job there. Uh, but uh, my time at UTC, all 12 years as a regular employee, 16 years total, was truly wonderful. I, I enjoyed my time there, and, and we were able to do a lot of great things uh, to the campus, particularly in increasing the financial health of the campus and, you know, adding to the capital budget in a very significant way and making a lot of noticeable improvements on the campus through the years uh, that if you would look back at the campus 10 or 15 years ago, you wouldn't have seen any of that. And much of that was a team effort. I don't take personal credit uh, uh, for hardly any of it mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm a big promoter of, of teams. And I think all of those folks uh, kind of get things done when you work collectively much better than independently. So when this job at Tennessee Westland came open last November, when Dr. Harley Knowles announced that he would be retiring, uh, a friend of mine here in Athens uh, sent me a text while I was at a conference in South Carolina, and he said, uh, Tyler, uh, Harley's retiring. You need to think about it. And I candidly didn't really think about it that much. I <laughs> enjoyed the rest of the conference. and Yeah. It was a Southern Association of College and University Business Officers. It was right in my wheelhouse. I've been mm-hmm. to these conferences for years, knew a lot of people there. So finished up the conference and came home 
And at, by the end of the following week, which about a week and a half since he had announced his retirement, over 25 people had asked me about the job and if I was going to apply. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I thought, you know, maybe I really should give this some serious consideration because that was a lot of people to ask me if I'm going to apply for a mm-hmm. job. So I dug into it, talked to a few people, gave it a lot of serious thought and prayer and really reflected on it and finally decided that I was going to apply. And uh, I let a few people know at UTC, uh, not many. My boss, uh, Dr. Engel there, I kept him in the loop uh, throughout the process. And he was very supportive as well. And I also, the entire time throughout the search process, talked to people intentionally thinking that somebody was going to tell me, Tyler, this is a terrible idea. (laughs) Well, not one person throughout that entire process told me it was a terrible idea. I just knew somebody was. Yeah, yeah. And I would even ask people that I was convinced would tell me that. I thought, oh, they're a staunch UTC supporter. They're going to say, you're insane. Why on earth did you do this? But nobody did. So all the more reason, it it kind of felt, you know, natural to get in the process. There were 65 candidates. Um, I, yet again, thought there's no way I would Mm -hmm. get to this pool. But you know, working through the process, I became even more energized. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, the, the more I went through it, that's the value of a search, albeit they're difficult and long. They do give you a lot of time to reflect. The more people I would talk to and the more groups I would be interviewed by, the more interested I became. Uh, and it just ended up being a great fit. Uh, and in the end, uh, the TWU board did end up offering me the job. And I was extremely excited about it. I also happened to be at a at the same conference. I was out of town, ironically, where I'd initially learned about it was the fall conference. The spring conference of that same organization is where I learned I had got the job. So how ironic is that? Wow. A small world all tied around that conference. But was I, when I was told I got the job, I was told I couldn't tell a soul. Well, that's not easy in Athens, Tennessee. To yeah, Tennessee. yeah. So over the course of that week and a half where TWU was completing their due diligence and background checks and all of that, I had numerous people coming up to me and saying congratulations. And I had to say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I have no no earthly idea. And, you know, it may go in that direction. It may not. So that it all kind of eventually worked out. I got the job and it, and it really was a big win uh, for me professionally to do that. And something I'm excited about because I love survey organizations. I don't like things to be about me. So the ability to lead an organization as good as TWU really is an exciting adventure. Uh, tying that back to UTC, probably the most one of the more difficult conversations I've ever had is going to tell Dr. Angle that yeah. I'm leaving uh, even though I think he suspected it. And then even more difficult was telling my team, who many of which I had worked with uh, for 12 years, uh, a lot of the extended team I had either hired or promoted mm-hmm. over those 12 years and worked with so closely. I was very comfortable working with them. Uh, you build friendships with people uh, in, a, in a professional way over that period of time as well and it, it that was difficult mm-hmm. very difficult actually doing that when you when you love the people you work with that's that's not easy but there 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 is a season for everything as i've told folks you know ecclesiastes speaks quite well to that 
uh, chapter three, which I've read more times than I can count in my life. That's always my go-to verse about there being a season uh, for everything. And, and sure enough, that's what this was. And and they were they understood that and were very supportive. But uh, the time there, and I probably talked too long, Daniel, on that, but it really was very rewarding and, and something I enjoyed doing and, and getting engaged in so many different ways on that campus. But uh, I'm the type of person, you know, once you close a door, you kind of close it. And it's time, yeah. it's time to close that one and open another one. I'll still maintain many great friendships there and stay in touch. But uh, I'm all bulldog proud now. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and something, something that, you know, during my time at UTC that from my perspective really stood out to me and, and I, you know, I, I know that you worked, uh, you weren't like a professor or anything. You were not to my understanding. No, I, was not okay. I didn't think so. Um, but, uh, something that stood out to me and again, like I, I was a business major, so I didn't really, I was briefly an engineering major, but I, that's a stretch to even say that much, but, I was a I was an engineering a business major, and you know I, I didn't interact with a lot of the other colleges and and you know uh, areas within the university. But something that seemed to be the case for me, and you can confirm or deny this if if it is or if it isn't, but something that seemed to be the case to me is that everybody from the faculty standpoint, or most people that I interacted from the faculty from the faculty, whether it be professors or whether it be people that were working in the administrative side of things, or maybe they were, you know, uh, kind of on the executive level, or maybe they were, you know, people working in, in the food court. I mean, whatever level you worked in, uh, in within the university, it seemed like to me, the people working there were like, a, they they really had a, a sense of camaraderie to a degree. There was a, there was a real tight, tight knitness to it. I don't know if that's a word, knitness, but I'm going to use it. Um, but, uh, but, you know, they were, it's, it seemed like, it wasn't just people showing up to work every day, but a lot of them really, uh, they had two main goals. It was to uh, show up and teach and to care for the students, not just as students, but care for them as, as individuals and as people. Um, and that's something I've talked a little bit about with some of the different uh, you know, faculty members that I've interacted with over the past few semesters. But I wanted to ask you just if, if that seemed to be the case with you and, and if that's the case, if you, you know, how you hope to kind of instill that uh, while you're, you know, during your time at Tennessee Wesley and if you, what your, your hope is, if you can kind of instill it, or it may already be there, uh, but if you can instill that kind of team aspect, like you were saying, and, and kind of infuse that sense of camaraderie within the actual faculty itself. Yeah, absolutely. Let me just start out by saying that. That's the easy answer to that. Um, at UTC, uh, the, they had a longstanding motto, uh, unofficial motto, I should say, of students first. Mm-hmm. And we, we pushed that out repeatedly uh, to numerous people on the campus. When I left there, I had a, a couple hundred people on my team and almost a couple hundred more that were on contract. And some of those were custodians, groundskeepers, food service workers, uh, all the way up to senior finance and HR officials and senior operators throughout the campus. And they all got behind students first. It's something that if you're on a college campus, you have to understand that because students are the reason you're there. And I, I actually have no reason in the world to believe that's not the focus at Tennessee Wesleyan either. I, I think they're very student driven. Uh, they've been focused on student success. They've tried to look at it from 
uh, metrics, not just a metric standpoint, but also just what's right. And then when you want to be students first, that's how you have to think is what's right for the student. I've gone out of my way throughout the years and not in a bragging way by any means, but to try to help students and try to listen to students. If students have had issues with their accounts or parents have been frustrated with a bill or a parking ticket or this, that, and the other, and the list could go on and on. Uh, I've, I've personally worked through many of those because I felt like it was the right thing to do. And I'll continue to do that in my new role at TWU. I, I just, it's what I enjoy doing. I feel like we're there to serve students mm -hmm. and make their experience very good. And uh, without a doubt, I've heard that from current students at uh, TWU and often heard that from students at UTC. I, I met with a student last week at uh, Tennessee Wesleyan and I asked them, you know, what was the, what was your biggest uh, concern about the campus? And and the person quickly responded, parking, which is often uh, the top student complaint. I've, yes. I've, I've rarely been on a campus where it's not the top student complaint. Yes. And I didn't promise the student that I would fix it because that is a very difficult uh, problem to fix. Yes. Uh, but I told her we would work on it and we mm -hmm. will work on it. We worked on it at UTC mm -hmm. extensively, made some major changes. Um, but students like it, when we made many of those changes that made it a lot better was largely prior to your time there. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't have known the changes that were made of how it got better. So then four years later, every student thinks it's bad again. <laughs> it's very common. It's cyclical. I've seen it happen multiple times, but in some ways it's good uh, because mm -hmm. it constantly keeps administrators on their toes. They need to be improving things. And that's mm -hmm. how I've always looked at it. I, I think it's a student's right to question uh, what's going on on a campus and, and, and would encourage them to do so. Uh, that's, that's why as an administrator, I've always had an open door and would encourage others to as well, because I think you learn a whole lot in just listening to folks and how you can improve your campus. So mm -hmm. students first, uh, whether at UTC or any other at TWU or any other institution is certainly one uh, that I would continue to push for. Yeah, and it's 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 funny you bring up the whole the whole parking thing because I think it's kind of a little bit of a a joke now. There's not not in like in a bad sense, but it's kind of yeah. like a running joke at UTC. It's like, oh, well, what can we do to improve the like? If you ask any student, like, what could be changed? It's like, well, if I could just find somewhere to park, that'd be a big, you know. Yeah, that's uh, right. But it, it's a little silly at this point. I mean, there's there's lots of parking on campus, and it's it's there are bigger issues in the world than you know whether where to find parking, but. Uh, it, it does bring me to something I want to ask you about is that I think oftentimes, and this, I, I'm speaking just for me, but I would imagine others may agree with this sentiment. It can seem like, you know, obviously lots of the students, all they see is the professors and usually they'll see a couple of administrative people kind of behind the scenes every now and then. Maybe it's, uh, you know, some individuals that help them get their schedules right, or maybe it's like a some kind of counselor or anything, but you know, most of the time, my experience was interacting with professors and then a few other people kind of behind the scenes. But obviously, there's a lot of individuals aside from those people that work at universities and at schools all across the country. And so, for me, you know, I knew as a student that there was a lot going on behind the scenes that I probably didn't see, but I never knew what that was or like what was going on back there. And so, you don't have to tell me every single you know thing you ever did, but 
as someone who has has and currently is working in a role like that, that's not always, you know, a professor every single day is usually or most days is right in front of the students all the time talking to them. To whereas your role may not be like that all the time. What do the students not see that it may be good for them to know about? Or maybe, you know, like you said, at UTC, the, the motto was students first. And what what do the students not see that you would hope that they would be able, that you wish they could see? You know, you wish they could see the, the hours that are spent trying to fix these seemingly important or maybe seemingly small issues like parking. Like, what, what do they not see that goes on kind of behind the scenes as a, you know, an, an educator in your position? Well, universities, regardless of their size, are often small cities. Uh, Some are bigger cities than others. Um, You you can go to some of these large SEC schools that are bigger than towns we grew up in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In many regards. Uh, So there there are a lot of complex things that go on behind the scenes that students candidly should never have to see. Uh, There there are numerous... uh, hot water lines and cold water lines and things like that that you don't ever think about when you go to turn on the faucet that have all kinds of issues associated with them, heating and cooling and electrical, um, you know, preparing budgets and hiring people. Uh, there's a lot that goes in, particularly at an institution like UTC related to campus safety. It's in an urban area. Uh, UTC has their own police department, uh, has their own uh, environmental safety team and things like that that are are things that a student w- wouldn't even know who these people are behind the scenes, but definitely keep the campus operating every single day and do it in a really good way. And I certainly was proud of that team. And, and there's folks at Tennessee Wesleyan that do the exact same thing. Uh, it's just those things that we try to do in a very quiet way uh, to be sure that the student experience is really good. And if they are loud and people know about them, we've done a bad job mm-hmm. at letting folks know what's going on. I, I think when the one of the, the more uh, interesting incidents that, um, uh, if I think I'm remembering it correctly, we've had several residence hall issues through the years, but I was at a meeting in Nashville this has been two years ago, maybe three years ago, probably three years ago now that I think about it. And I got a, my phone rang at uh, two or three in the morning, uh, which that happened actually somewhat regularly, actually. UTC police uh, calling and it said there'll be an emergency call in five minutes. And I thought, what on earth could yeah. this be at three in the morning? Yeah. Well, all of the, the water to majority of campus was off. Uh, City of Chattanooga, Tennessee American had had a significant water failure. I I remember this. I I remember remember this now. Significant water failure. And that means that we had a significant water failure. I want to say roughly three-fourths of the campus was down. It was was substantial. Mm -hmm. Well, that might be okay for students that don't live on campus because we can just cancel classes for the day. Mm -hmm. But we also, at that point, had roughly 4,000 students living on campus that Mm -hmm. needed a bathroom and a place to wash their hands and a place to eat. And the list goes on and on and on. So by four in the morning, my team and I are on the phone 
locating porta potties mm-hmm. all over the city to try to figure out how to get these on campus. We we're figuring out how to feed people and where we could get them to give them recreation, where we're going to have to contract with the hotel, all of this happening before six in the morning. Uh, so it's, it's those type of things that you, the whole team comes together and just figures out, uh, you know, COVID was like that, mm-hmm. you know, the whole team that, that affected every administrator, every faculty member, every staff member uh, on campus, but the whole team had to come together and just figure it out, you know, flip all those courses online and figure out how to keep the campus safe. And do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? I mean, it, it, it is just a really interesting th- uh, time, or that was a really interesting time definitely behind the scenes to watch all that unfold and to be a part of it. So there is a lot and I cannot underestimate what goes <laughs> on. Uh, but like I said, if you know about it, we did a bad job and I'll, yeah. I'll see you by that. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's funny. So I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the incident with the water. Cause I had forgotten about that, but I was, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I was on campus when, when that happened and where, so I, I have a funny story with this. So during that time, I forget whether it was spring or fall semester, but I was living at the Walker uh, dorms yeah. uh, over kind of on the south side. Of, I think it's south side of campus. That's right. Uh, live, I was living over there and I, I was living with three other guys. And one of the guys I was living with, he was on my side of the dorm. We had gone to high school together. Like I'd known him for a while. And I remember we, you know, just like everybody else, we woke up that day and we were told that like the city of Chattanooga had no water or something like that. We're like, okay, well, what are we supposed to do? And so our first instinct was we were going to go see if the water worked. And in our dorm, it did work. So we're like, okay, let's just bottle up as much of this as we can and hold on to it because we don't know what's going to happen. So we were filling up bottles and just like (laughs) buckets and stuff because we didn't know what was going on. We're like, okay, let's just fill this up and we'll hold on to it if need be. But so, you know, some time went by and I started hearing like getting texts from people and they'd say, yeah, the water, like my shower's not working or it's, it's really cold or something like that. Like a lot of stuff just wasn't working correctly. But for whatever reason, in our dorm, our specific dorm, we like never really encountered any of those problems. Our hot water still ran, our sink still ran, everything, you know, if we had never heard about it, we wouldn't have known that anything was going on. And so we were you know, somewhat tongue in cheek, but we were, we were just kind of having some fun with it. And so I don't even remember why we decided to do this, but prior to this, me and my roommate had gone to Walmart and we got one of these cheap little yard sale signs. It was probably not even, I mean, maybe about as big a laptop screen. I'm looking at it right now. And we, what we wanted to do is we taped it to the front of our door, our outside door, and we pretended like we'd write things on it. Like we, you know, we were communicating uh-huh. with everybody outside of us, but we pretend like it was a yard sale sign, you know? And so whenever all the water went out, we were like, okay, well, let's, we're going to have some fun with this. And so we got the sign and we wrote something like $5 for cold showers and $10 for hot showers. You know, if, <laughs> if you want them here, you can, yeah. you can come by our dorm and, and we'll sell them to you. And we like took a picture of it, you know, put it on like social media or something. We were like, hey, you know, come by if you want it. Not we we weren't being serious. I wasn't about to let some strange person just walk into my apartment and take a shower. But it it was just kind of funny nonetheless. And it was just it was just funny at the time because we didn't know what to do. And it was just so strange. And, And eventually it got resolved. I don't remember how long it was that until it actually got resolved. But 
yeah, at the time that was one of the, that was a funny memory of mine having that yard sale sign on the front of my door and and pre- kind of pretend to sell it in showers to people. <laughs> Absolutely, you were being a real entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was like, well, I mean, we've got hot water, and so I don't, I, you know, let's let's share the love with everybody. Let's let's give it out a little bit and, and see what happens. Uh, you know, that was that was funny, but Absolutely. but yeah, there there's. I know, like, I've always known that there are things going on in the background, obviously, that, uh, you know, that I don't see. And like you said, it's probably best that I don't, because if if I knew about every single decision on a budget or every single decision on a hire of an individual or every single minute decision about everything, that's like you said, that that probably is, is a good indication that the people that are making those decisions may not be handling their job correctly. Like exactly part of right. part of that job is to make sure that the student doesn't worry about those things. They, they don't have to carry that burden at all. And, and I think that's a good way to put it is, is understanding that, you know, you mentioned how, you know, at the start of this conversation, how you had worked on a lot of different things that uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the campus as it is right now wouldn't even be recognizable. It would be totally different than what it used to be. And, and it's, it, you know, those, those small changes that over time they compound. And, and I think that really those small changes are a testament to the work that individuals like you do, because, you know, like I said, most of the students, they see the professors, they see some of the administrative officials kind of right, right in the front that they interact with right in the buildings at the, you know, the, the for whatever uh major they choose yeah. um but they don't always see the work going on in the background like what you do and so i think it's i think it's important to to highlight that because it's an important component obviously to to what's going on but it kind of is like the 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 foundation the infrastructure if you, if you want to say of, of all the work that goes on at the university you know there always is an infrastructure and and you you pegged it that's what all of that is in one way literally or figuratively yeah. And, and, you know, uh, I think about my time at UTC and I just, it, it, it was, it was a time that I really enjoyed and I'm, I'm really thankful for it. And I know a lot of people that they, they don't have great experiences at their universities and, and that's, you know, each everybody's experience is different. I'm sure there's plenty of people like, you know, like you said yourself, when you first got to UTC, you were looking for the quickest way out of there, but it, was. I, it, it, it at least pleases me to know. And again, I, I didn't go to every single class for every single major, but it at least pleases me to know that every, the, the, the general theme for those that are uh, working behind the scenes and that are trying to cater the experience for each student, it's modeled after and centered around the needs of the student. I, I think that's, I think it's a great starting point And I think it's a great way to, model the future because you know quite literally the the students are what keep this whole thing going without the students then there's no nobody to teach and there's no real institution you know so i think it's great that that's the the mindset that you all had uh during your time at, at, at utc and that you're hopefully going to carry forward into tennessee wesleyan uh i think that's great and uh I'm, I'm very happy for you as well that you're getting this opportunity you mentioned earlier how it, it seemed like, you know, it was just kind of a shot in the dark to a degree. You were like, well, let me just apply and, and see what happens. But I think oftentimes those kind of stepping out, uh, those kind of leaps of faith like that, even if you don't know what's going to come in the future, um, oftentimes those can those experiences can really uh, reap the most rewards and, and really surprise you about what you're made of, you know. That's right. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. You just you have to be willing to to go where you're supposed to go at times and then you said it well sort of take a leap of faith and i've done that 
multiple times throughout my career. Sometimes it's gone in vastly different or wild, wildly different directions uh, than I thought it would. Uh, but it's always in the end been exactly where I needed to land. Uh, and I can equate that to so many different things in my life, but uh, the career is definitely one of those things. 100%, 100%. I'm, I'm right there with you. So, um, but yeah, I, I, before I move on to this, this next uh, brief little segment I have for you, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about it. Uh, you know, first off, I, I just want to say, Regarding, or I want to ask you, uh, just regarding your time at, you know, let me let me back up a little bit. How long have you officially been like been the new president of Tennessee Wesleyan? Since July one, so okay. I haven't had many days on the job. Gotcha. That, that's what I thought. It was a fairly new. I mean, I know you've know you've accepted the job since yeah, before yeah, then, but yeah. I didn't know when it was like officially official. Sure. Uh, just in regards to that, uh, what do you think is what what is your if if you could set the theme for what you hope the next you know who knows how long you'll be working there but let's just say you know the next one two to three years at the very least what do you hope is the theme for for your time there and what you can hope to accomplish during uh, as as kind of like the key point to while you're there what is what is the first or not the first necessary but what is the central point you really want to hammer home as you're beginning to start this new endeavor for uh, in, in your career. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. And I'll, I'll go ahead and clarify. I certainly hope to be there longer than one, two yeah. years. I, I yeah. would like to have a, a good long run mm-hmm. at Tennessee Westland. And I, I certainly plan to work as hard as I can to try to make that. Uh, it would probably be a little premature to give you some grand vision. But I'll <laughs> tell you. Well, you uh, have only been on the job for about a week. So I'll give you a little right. bit of grace. So I'll, I'll tell you what I've told others and also yeah. ask for the ability to write it in pencil and erase it. Perhaps yeah. wrong thing. But uh, what I shared with the campus on day one uh, via email, we shared it with faculty, staff and students was that, you know, we would work together to form priorities, but two that were sort of non-negotiables for me, uh, which are things that the campus and in, in many ways are already doing and already doing well, mm-hmm. but, it, but we'll continue to focus on. And that's ensuring student success, kind of with the theme that uh, you and I talked about a minute ago, and then also continuing to build upon and grow the ex- excellent academic programs that the campus already has. And I think if we can do both of those, in many ways, everything else kind of falls in place because those are are really the bedrock of the campus. Um, TWU has a really, I'm not going to say unique place, but a a prominent place in the fact that they have super strong NAI athletic programs as well. So when you look at building upon student success and things of that nature, athletics plays a big role in that as, as it should. And and they've had multiple championship teams through the years. I have great confidence that we'll continue uh, to have those as well. I expect them to be better than last year. And I can't control that one ounce, but it doesn't mean I won't be their biggest uh, cheerleader in doing so. And and we're also in the process of finalizing the campus strategic plan. Uh, There was already a draft of one in place that Dr. Knowles had wanted the new person coming in to have the ability to tweak and finalize. Uh, So my goal is to have that finalized by November and I don't see any reason that we couldn't at that point pending uh, the board approving it at that time. So a lot of things like that, uh, the the strategic plan will 
definitely be a, a big picture roadmap of how to accomplish some of those things. And I'm looking forward to, uh, again, kind of digging in on that one, finalizing it and uh, getting it to be a living document, not one that's sitting on the shelf that we can really use frequently and reference back and measure ourselves against because uh, we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, definitely, if we want to keep moving the campus forward, but I'm very confident that the team in place uh, can do that. Yeah, and, and uh, I love to hear that. Like I said, I'm, I I guess that that question is a little difficult because, like you said, you know, you've only been on the job for about a week now, and that's a you know, it's like saying, "What do you?" It's like the question is like, "What do you want your ultimate life goal to be?" It's like that's a that's a big question, you know. That's but, right. I don't uh, know. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm I'm still trying to figure it out, you know, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I love that, you know, there, whatever, obviously, like you said, uh, I like the analogy of, of give you a pencil and write it down, but you may need to erase it later. Uh, things will change, you know, priorities will change and and your immediate objectives will change. But I, I love that your, you know, your, your foundation for it all is one, making sure that the students are taken care of. And then two, making sure that you uphold and improve upon the, the, uh, you know, the success and health of the actual academic institutions in and of themselves. So I love it, man. That is awesome. And I'm, I'm very, very happy for you that you're able to take on this new endeavor. Um, before we I want to have me back in a year or two, and I'll answer that question more thoroughly. I'll All right. Well, hey, that, and I'll that, even give you some outcomes at that point. But right now, I'm going to have to shortchange you just a little bit. No, no, that's fine. That's I, I wanted to I wanted to see see what your response would be because, like I said, I know that uh, it's a little early on, and and you know that's a big kind of question to ask. But uh, the fact that you you know have a good starting point, I, th- I think that's that's very important. And uh, yeah, I'd love to love to see how things go a year, two, three down the road, and see see what happens. But um, before uh, before we move on to this this next segment, um, I want to just say first off, thank you very much for doing this. I know that you said before we started that. You got a little one other in the other room, and I don't want to, you know, steal you away for too long. Uh, but I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with me today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and and I really hope that everybody who listens uh, really enjoys. Um, but the kind of closing segment that I like to do here on the show is always in a little bit of a different uh, vein than whatever we talk about throughout the entirety of the show. And it is what I like to call 15 quick questions with whatever guest I'm speaking to at the time. Uh, All these questions are totally unrelated to everything we've been talking about. So they're going to be, you know, they're going to be different in that regard, but they're all this or that questions. And so, you know, it'd be either A or B. And I just want to get your immediate uh, thoughts on these and just get your your gut reaction to if you're feeling this or if you're feeling that, I want to see what your thoughts are. And we'll we'll go through these 15 quick questions with you. So does that sound right with you? Yeah, sounds great. All right. Sounds great. Well, uh, this is 15 quick questions with Tyler Forrest. Let's go. Socks with sandals, yes or no? No. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? No. Summer, fall, winter, or spring? Fall. Who would win in a unicycle race? Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker? Uh, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> uh, let's see. Hot coffee or iced coffee? Neither. Who would win in a dance competition? The Rock or Kevin Hart? <laughs> I have no earthly idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure, Daniel. I, I might do some research on that one before I answer that one. 
about th- how about this? We'll make those one of the one of the follow up questions. If, okay, you know, okay, a year fair or enough, so fair now. Yeah, we'll do that. Uh, which which decade do you prefer? The seventies, eighties, or nineties? Nineties. Guacamole or salsa? Salsa. Waffles or pancakes? Waffles. Michael Jackson or Prince? Michael Jackson. Blue cheese or ranch dressing? Blue cheese. Ah, oh, that, that's that's where that's where we depart right there. Uh, um, are Crocs fashionable? Yes or no? Not in my world. <laughs> uh, crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Creamy. If you had to choose, would you rather watch a movie marathon or a TV show marathon? TV show marathon. And the final fifteenth question. This is the same question I ask everybody at the end of this. And yeah. it's so it's kind of a tradition to end on this question. And I want to make sure to get your rationale with this, but I want to see kind of what your thought process is with it. Yeah. Um, would you rather fight one horse sized duck or 100 duck sized horses? You can take a minute to think about this with you, because I know that's a you got to kind of get a mental image here and think about the pros and the cons of each one. But I want to I want to see what your what your thought process is on this. Okay, a horse-sized duck. What was the second part of that? So either one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses. I would say one horse-sized duck. Okay, okay. Uh, primarily because I, I like to tackle big problems. It <laughs> seems big in, in many ways, even though the other one seems like many tiny problems. Uh, so. I'll go with the one big problem, uh, you know, kind of eating an elephant one bite at a time and yeah. that way. Sorry, uh, I had to stall. I had to get that visual in my head of ducks and horses. No, 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 no. Listen, you, you are not the first person to take to need to take a little bit to kind of process that question. But I love that question one, just cause it's, it's, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a curveball. but it's funny just to hear everybody's line of thinking with, with each one. Cause I've gotten, I've gotten every which way with that question. Every single time I've heard it, some people are, you know, this one or that one. And the the rationale with each one is always different. I always like to hear what their thought process is and how they think about that. Because, you know, obviously, it. I hope that nobody ever has to encounter a duck-sized horse or, for that matter, <laughs> horse-sized ducks or anything. But, um, right. but uh, it, it's always funny to hear the, the way of thinking and kind of the line of logic with that. So uh, cool. I like it. I like it, man. That's awesome. Uh, well, cool, cool. Before we finish up here, is there anything, uh, I know that you, like I said, you just started, do you have any like websites or social media handles or anything that anybody can follow along with you on that you're, you feel comfortable sharing or anything? Well, we, we certainly got the TWU website, which pushes out uh, a number of things that I've, or some of the things that I've already uh, put together are on the website. I would encourage folks to check that out. Uh, and I will say I, I may not be a big social media user, mm-hmm. but the one thing I am always is an open door guy. So mm-hmm. it should anybody ever want to reach out or if I can ever help anyone, I would encourage you to do so. And I, and I will close, Daniel, by saying super proud of you. I've, I've followed you. I've always known who you were. And I think uh, a lot of the work you did at UTC as a student and now as a, as a starting out professional is to be commended. You have, uh, Big things ahead, my friend. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. that. That definitely means a lot, and I I really appreciate that. That that uh is always good to hear. Um, I as I would imagine one for you. I don't 
and as weird as this may seem, I don't always like the, I don't, I have a hard time taking compliments at time. I don't always want the spotlight to be on me. And so it's, it's nice every now and then. Yeah. (laughs) It's nice to, it's nice to be, you know, told nice things about yourself. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. Um, But yeah, I will make sure to, I'll put the link for the Tennessee, uh, Tennessee Wesleyan website down in the description for today's episode. So if you're listening, you want to check it out, then feel free to head down there. You can follow along with, uh, Tennessee Wesleyan, maybe see some of the stuff that's going on there and, and follow along. But uh, yeah, Tyler, again, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. And I hope that uh, everyone that is listening enjoyed. So yeah, thank you again so much for speaking with me today. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll do it again here in a year or two. And we'll, we'll keep keep updated with how things are going for you. How does that sound? That, that sounds terrific, Daniel. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All right. Sounds great. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the podcast. As one final reminder, if you'd like to support the show, then don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to check out any links that were mentioned during the show or follow the show or myself on social media, then feel free to head to the description of today's episode to find these links. As always, thank you again for checking out today's episode, and I really hope you enjoyed it. I will catch you all on the next episode of the podcast. See ya.